You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. On the 1st of February of this year, I celebrated, and I really did celebrate it, 25 years doing what we are talking about in this podcast. Doing what I'm doing, helping people use the facilities that they have between their own two ears to live their lives to the full. And obviously, as you'll know from previous episodes of this podcast, one of the key things that we can all do to ensure that our head is in the right place and that we are all present and correct is meditate. Now, 25 years ago, or 25 and a half years ago as it is now, meditation had a considerable reputation in terms of how it enabled people who had been traumatized by, for example, being diagnosed with a terminal illness, how it helped those people overcome the stress associated with it. It was the mid to late 1980s when the University of Massachusetts Medical School devised a program that subsequently became known as mindfulness-based stress reduction therapy. Uh, It evolved in the 90s into mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, which, by the way, just as an aside, is not the same as cognitive behavioural therapy. I only mention that because an awful lot of people ask me that question. It's not the same thing at all. Mindfulness was born in the Western world. Mindfulness took on, I suppose, a life of its own. And subsequently, an awful lot of good stuff has been written about mindfulness written and said, and an awful lot of rubbish has been written about mindfulness as well. Mindfulness is deliberately paying all of your attention to the present moment non-judgmentally, or words to that effect. Now, doing that on its own is going to make you happier. It's going to, as we said a couple of weeks ago, reduce your heart rate, reduce your blood pressure, enhance your digestive and immune systems, and indeed reverse the build-up of fatty cholesterol in your cardiovascular system. It's going to make you happy, but is it going to make you happy and fulfilled, or are you just going to be happy in the moment, experiencing the moment? And where is the practicality of that? Not necessarily the good of it. Where is the practicality of that if you don't apply your presence in the moment to the things that you need to do to live your life to the full, whatever that means for you. So before we go any further at all, let me simply state this. Meditation is the training that enables you develop your ability to be mindful moment to moment in the here and now obviously while you're meditating, because that's when you're training to do it. But the real purpose of that training is to enable you be present when you need it during the course of the day, when it matters most, so that you can, as I said a minute ago, live your life to the full, your way, on your terms. Meditation, in other words, isn't an end in itself, nor indeed is mindfulness. These are means to an end. What end? 
you choose. That is why, for the last 25 and a half years, I have been talking about, I suppose, what could be described, and indeed I've been describing it for a number of years now, as applied mindfulness or purposeful mindfulness. In other words, I'm here, I'm present, with a purpose in mind. But you'll never get here and present if you don't train yourself. Back 25 years ago, one of the very first people to turn up on my, in fact, he turned up on my very first open workshop in November 1996. There were seven people on that workshop. I, I'm still in touch with a couple of them, and I'm in touch particularly with this particular guy that I'm mentioning. We'll call him John. His name happens to be John, but we'll call him John anyway. John is still, all these years later, amongst a group of what I would call old stagers, clients that have been with me for a long period of time. Not all of them, obviously, 25 years. Some of them 10, 12, 15 years, and some of them perhaps a little more recent than that too. This is a group of people who would get together with me in Dublin every September. This ritual started, I suppose, about six years ago. There are 14 of us in this group and we would meet for the day and we would encourage each other and push each other and move each other forward, not simply by talking about encouraging ourselves, but actually by exploring what works for us and explaining the things that have happened for us as a result of being all present and correct in the here and now. Obviously, for the last year and a half, I haven't met these wonderful people face to face, but we talk regularly on Zoom. It's a group of special people. It's a group of fellow travellers. During one of our first conversations together as a group in Dublin in one of those Septembers, I was asking the group how they felt when they meditate. Now, it isn't, a, uh, it isn't a question I would ask most people for the simple reason that you will start thinking about your meditation. And meditation is not something that you think about. In fact, if you think about it, meditation is designed to enable us stop thinking and start being. But this, as I said, and I explained it a minute ago, is a group of special people who are there encouraging each other. And it came around to John, and John said to everyone else in the room, he said, I have to say, he said, I've been at this for about 20 years now. He said, and I could only describe myself as a toe dipper. I put my toe in, I take my toe out. I meditate every so often, I fall off the wagon. And I've never actually, he said, established a proper routine of meditation. Now, let me pause there for a moment. Because although meditation needs to be part of a routine, otherwise it'll never get done, or it'll get done sporadically, meditation is never routine. Because meditation is the experience of the reality of the moment, moment to moment, and no two moments are the same. Anyway, he was saying he'd never established a routine. And therefore, he said, I'm not sure if I'm experiencing the benefits at all. He said, in fact, I'm not even sure what I'm supposed to be experiencing when I'm meditating. Silence in the room. 
I turned to John and I said, How are you feeling? He said, What do you mean? I said, It's a simple question. How are you feeling? He said, Well, well, he said, I feel absolutely bloody stupid now, having said what I've just said in front of all these adepts. Now I said to him, How are you feeling? What are you feeling? He said, I don't understand the question. I said, You're sitting on a chair, aren't you? He said, Yes. I said, how does that feel? He said, well, I can feel my backside on the seat of the chair. I said, there we are. That's meditation. That is what we're doing when we meditate. What we do when we meditate is we experience the moment. We experience the feelings in our body. We experience the sounds that we are hearing. We don't listen to the sounds and then say to ourselves, oh, the birds are very loud this morning, because that's being judgmental about it. Even though you might notice that when you meditate, it's like somebody turned up the volume on the birds partaking in the dawn chorus. You don't evaluate it, you just experience it. Because, you know, when you hear the tweet of a bird, you'll never hear that bird tweet, that tweet again. It's past. It's just like, as I say to some of my clients who are stuck in a rut, I go down to the end of the road from where I'm sitting at the moment and there is a bridge that was originally built by the Romans a couple of thousand years ago. The existing bridge I think is about 300 years old. I stand on the peak of that bridge and look down into the raging alpine torrent below and the little molecules of water that are racing under that bridge will never race under that bridge again. Meditation enables us simply experience the moment. In experiencing the moment when it doesn't matter, like sitting on a chair in the quiet of your own space at maybe 6.30 or 7 in the morning, when you're experiencing that when it doesn't matter, that is the training that enables you to fully experience what's actually going on when it does matter. In other words, in the heat of what could end up being an argument, in the heat of some contentious moment where normally if you weren't tuned in to what was going on, you'd be reacting to the other person and be throwing fuel on the flames. In the heat of moments like that, we need to be present because then we can see reality as it is, rather than think we know what's going on Think, by the way, we know what's going on based on the thoughts that have enabled us make it through the day since we were 13 years old. Thoughts that we learned when we were three years old. Thoughts that have nothing to do with what is actually going on in the here and now. Now, obviously, there are much bigger benefits than just not falling into the trap of having an argument with somebody else. The real benefit is that I take stress out of my life. The real benefit is that I take all the mental somersaulting of the normal crazy mind. I take all that out of my life. I turn up to the here and now, and I turn up to the here and now to do what I need to do, dot, 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 to get me to where I want to go. And that is one of the key points that I want you to understand. Meditation is not an end in itself. Meditation develops mindfulness. 
Mindfulness is not an end in itself. Mindfulness is a state of being in the moment that enables us to do what we need to do with our purpose in mind. This is what, many of you will be familiar with this, this is what I call the two-piece jigsaw. The first piece is very simple. I need to be mentally fit. The second piece is that in being mentally fit, so that the best version of me, and I'll come back to that in a moment, turns up to the here and now, moment to moment, I need to know why I have turned up, and I need to know what I am trying to achieve. I need to know my purpose. Do I need to know my life's purpose? Well, actually, I know your life's purpose. Uh, you, may say, you may say to yourself, well, that's weird, because I don't. I know your life's purpose. Your life's purpose is to live your life to the full in the here and now. It's the only place in time you can. An awful lot of people are waiting for something to happen. Waiting and waiting. Waiting for something good to happen. And then getting impatient when it hasn't happened. And what they don't realise is that their life is passing them by whilst they sit in the waiting room. You need to come to your senses using a couple of them. You see, when we meditate, for example, when we do a listening meditation, we're using our listening or hearing sense. When we do a breathing meditation, we're doing our feeling sense. We mix and match. We might do a meditation where we focus on our breathing and the sounds around us. Or we might do a scan of our body, which is inherently a feeling meditation. The one thing that traditional meditation shies away from is meditation with your eyes open, which I have to say I find very, very strange indeed, for the simple reason that we live our lives with our eyes open, or at least that's the objective, isn't it? We're trying to live our lives with our eyes open. And, and therefore I would ask you to consider doing some other exercises that to the traditional teacher of meditation won't fall under the banner of meditation, but to people like Thich Nhat Hanh, who is a meditation expert. These are things that we need to do during the course of the day to ensure that during the course of the day we are present and we are focused. So, for example, if you were to read Thich Nhat Hanh's little book, The Miracle of Mindfulness, you will find exercises in that book entitled going for a walk to go for a walk or eating a tangerine to eat a tangerine. The point Thich Nhat Hanh makes is that most people when they're eating a mandarin or a tangerine will take one segment, shove it in their mouth and pull off the next segment and shove it in their mouth before they're finished the first one. All for the purpose of getting through eating the orange so that they can do something else, which means they never actually fully eat the orange. In exactly the same way, he talks about having a cup of tea to have a cup of tea. Most people have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee for some other reason. They might be meeting friends, and, and that's okay as long as you turn up to your friends in the here and now, mindfully and focused. An awful lot of people will turn up to meet their friends and won't be listening to what their friends are saying. They will be thinking in their own heads, oh, what will I say next? Or should I tell them this story? Or they might be actually listening to what their friends are saying, but are hearing something completely different because of what they think about their friends or what they think about themselves at that moment in time or the mood they happen to be in at that moment in time. There are loads of little exercises, in other words, that we can do during the course of the day 
that enable us come to our senses in a nice, quiet and, dare I say it, controlled environment. Who's doing the controlling? You're doing the controlling. You're deciding to yourself that as I put the dishes in the dishwasher this evening, I am mindfully putting each dish in the dishwasher to put the dishes in the dishwasher. Not so that I get it done in time to look at my favourite programme or go outside onto the terrace and ha have another drink. Uh, and too much of that, by the way, will make you very mindless indeed. That you actually use the opportunities provided by your ordinary everyday life to enable you make your ordinary everyday life extraordinary. The extra is awful simple. The extra is that you simply turn and the more you turn up, the more you can live your life's purpose, which is, as I said a minute ago, to live your life to the full in the here and now. But, obviously we have other purposes as well. You know, we don't want to simply say, oh, 10,000 years ago my life's purpose was not to get murdered by a man-eating or a woman-eating beast today so that I could make it through the day so I could do the whole thing all over again tomorrow, and that now my purpose is just to live in the moment. Because, as I said a few minutes ago, if you're just mindful and living in the moment, you're never moving forward. You're going around in circles. Granted, you're going around in circles mindfully rather than mindlessly, but there is an inherent danger in that because even if you were going around in circles mindlessly, your automatic pilot would ensure that you didn't do yourself any harm and that you would make it through the day. So when we become more present, when we become more focused, what we don't want to do is float on a cloud or walk on water. What we want to do is do what we need to do purposefully, effortlessly, to move ourselves forward towards not the things that we want to achieve, but the experiences we would love to have in our lives as a result of achieving. Am I talking about achieving big things? Not necessarily. I could water the tomatoes this evening and sit down afterwards with the satisfaction of looking at them perk up knowing that they're going to be murdered in a few weeks' time or put in jars for tomato sauce during the winter. Sorry, that's a slight aside. Every little task that you do can provide you with an opportunity to move forward in your life. Now, you might say to yourself, oh, hold on now, we're, we're kind of getting back into the nitty-gritty of just being. But let me quote the University of Chicago. Let me quote Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi in the University of Chicago. Let me quote the flow research. The people who were in flow, the people who were enjoying their lives on the automotive production lines in Detroit were the people who were getting fulfillment out of doing the little tasks that they were doing moment to moment. Now, that's a word I used earlier on in this episode, fulfillment. I was talking to a client a few weeks ago and we were talking about the purpose of life and early on in our series of conversations she said to me oh I, she said I know what my purpose is my purpose is to be happy because then I can spread the happiness in the same way as we talked a few weeks ago about a client of mine in Brazil saying that her job was to share the calm and for that reason 
She needed to be calm every morning when she went into what otherwise would be a potentially chaotic situation. This lady I was talking to a few weeks ago, she said, the purpose of my life is, the purpose of life in general, is to be happy. And then the conversation progressed a few weeks. And then we realised that actually happiness is a subset of fulfilment. You can be happy doing nothing. You can be happy whiling your life away. You can be happy on your own, whilst other people are still depending upon you, which means that you're abrogating your responsibility. We all have responsibilities in life, you see. We all have things we need to do. We all have things that we have to do for people to whom we have promised something. So we all have to do those things. So what I'm talking about in terms of turning up to the here and now and living your life to the full and being the best version of you is that you're doing what you're doing now with all the little purposes in mind that will lead you to your grand purpose or not or and lead you to a flowing experience of the life you really really want or if I can put it more fundamentally the life that your heart desires or more fundamentally again the life that's best for you that means we need to be moving forward every day that means when you get up tomorrow morning you will know that there are things you want to do that day in the furtherance of your achieving your objectives so that you live more and increasingly the life that you would love to live that means you have purposes every day and it's the little purposes that matter because if you don't pay attention to the nows in which you're doing stuff that will lead you towards the achievement of the little purposes you're never going to have the opportunity in life to even encounter the opportunity to make a choice to embrace your grand purpose as i've said many times before and i'll say it again there's no such thing as an insignificant now it's the little things that we do in the here and now that lead us to that grand purpose of living our lives to the full your life your way hence the absolute importance of taking every opportunity to train ourselves when it doesn't matter so that we can play the game of life when it does matter the absolute importance of laying the foundations every morning of doing a seven or eight or ten minute meditation every morning seven days a week ensuring that we stop ourselves during the day first of all stop ourselves from going over the edge in potentially confrontational or difficult situations but stop ourselves when it doesn't matter so that we can stop ourselves when it does in other words take a few moments to taste the tea to smell the coffee to stop for a minute on your walk and stick your nose in a rose there you are i'm a poet and i haven't realized it every single little opportunity during the course of the day can be taken i'm not suggesting should be taken because then you're going to get immersed fully in just being mindful what i'm saying is that you deliberately structure your day to ensure that at times during the course of the day you are in control of the moments in which you are taking full control of the levers of power between your two ears that wonderful piece of equipment that is designed to enable you effortlessly do just what you need to do to get you to where your heart desires to enable you do today what will enable you achieve 
the life of your dreams, what is best for you. The wonderful thing about that is that when you get into that zone, you're there for everybody else too. And it's, it's, it's like a magic dance. It's not, not, not only are you dancing your way through your day, as, as we said a few weeks ago, like a ballerina, you are dancing the tango with those you love. You are waltzing your way through the day and ensuring that everybody else's game is raised as well. That's what great leaders do. That's what great global leaders with presence do. And there aren't too many of them around at the moment, unfortunately. That's what great leaders in business do. That is what my friend, who I mentioned right at the beginning of this episode, who took a little time to get up to meditating seven days a week, that's what he did in business. He raised the game of everybody around them to the extent that the organisation that he was working for, that he was leading, was a completely different class of success to everything else in his industry. That's what we can all do, because we were all born leaders. Okay, people say to me, oh, I'm introverted, or I, I'm uncomfortable with people. These people were born leaders. We were all born leaders until we had it knocked out of us, particularly during the third year of our lives, and certainly through the education system that said, this is your box, this is the colour of your box, it's the faith of your box, get in your box, stay in your box, keep your head down, and make it from one day to the next. Okay, there's a whole other session, whole other episode in, in that particular vein. We won't go there at the moment. I want to keep the party clean. I want to keep us in the zone. And really what I'm saying to you is, today, meditate in the morning. Stop during the course of the day to mini-meditate. If you have my app, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's about 60 meditations in the app. They're all two minutes long. For every eventuality, good, bad, indifferent, and just about to go off the rails. So stop yourself for two minutes to press the reset button, preferably when you don't need it, rather than when you're just about to go off the rails. Stop means you'll never get to the point where you're just about to go off the rails. But also use the stuff of everyday life, because it is in using the stuff of everyday life, like going for a walk to go for a walk, like putting the dishes in the dishwasher to put the dishes in the dishwasher, like having a cup of coffee to have a cup of coffee. It's when we use that everyday stuff our brains get used to being in flow in the everyday stuff. And if we do that when it doesn't matter, it becomes very easy for us to be in that state of mind. We don't even have to try to be in that state of mind. It will, it'll just happen when we do need it. And you don't know the day nor the hour when you need to be fully present. An awful lot of people think, oh, I'm going into an interview. This is the most important thing I have to do today. I need to be present. No, it could be going into the interview. It could be coming out of the interview. It could be going outside and bumping into somebody else. How would you know? Certainly your thinking mind doesn't have a clue. But I'll tell you what, your being mind does. Because your being mind, as I said a minute ago, knows moment to moment exactly what you need to do to get you to where your heart desires. You need to get out of her way or you need to get out of his way. You've been listening to To Succeed Just Let Go 
get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called, To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-horton.com.